realize in life that there's a huge difference between being a, a male and being a man. And we talk about being a male. To be a male, you had absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing. But to be a man, it takes a character. And character is based off of our choices. And every one of us make choices every day. Now, a lot of times in our society right now, we like to, to think as a man more of muscles than morals. But God is the God who looks at the inside. And when we talk about people's reputation and people's character, reputation is who people think you are. Your character is who your wives and your children know you are. Behind the scenes, what happens? So I want to talk a little bit just today about generational stuff just to help us, but also to encourage you. Begin with me, Genesis chapter 18, verse number 16. And it said, Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham was with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, I believe God's telling right here that his desire for Abraham's life was for Abraham to leave a legacy of blessings. And in order for that to happen, guys, Abraham was going to have to serve God. It wasn't just going to fall on him, okay? It wasn't just going to be accidental Abraham had to make some choices for that to happen. And it said there that he would be a great and mighty nation. Well, when God spoke that over him, he wasn't talking about the land or the terrain, the trees, the rivers. What makes up a great nation? People. People. And so God was speaking this over Abraham. Verse 19. For I have known him and that in order that he may command his children and his household after him. And so right here, God says this to Abraham. He said, I command you. I command you to teach your children and your households. And he said, after him. The message says, train his children to observe God's way of life after him. So right here, the Lord was telling Abraham, Abraham, you're to be the model. You're to be the example. You're to be the one to instruct this now. When he says right here, I command you, for I've known him in order that he may command his children and his household. I believe this, fathers, the more that I read this, that every one of us one day, as fathers, God's going to judge us on how well we commanded our homes and our children. Every one of us. And so he tells Abraham, I I command you to do this. And a lot of times in our society right now, you know what we say as fathers? But I don't want that responsibility. But God said, I command you. And look what happens when we, we are commanded. And he said that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and to do justice what was spoken to him. Now, One reveals his values by what he teaches his children. And when you look at Abraham's life, one of the reasons that God entrusted so much to Abraham was he knew that Abraham would command his children. He knew Abraham would teach his children. He would instruct his children, but even more so, he knew that Abraham would live it out right before them. 
This is what I believe God's wanting each one of us to do as parents. And so, you know, as we celebrate Father's Day today, I applaud fathers. Ones even in this room that are literally Abraham's right now. That you've instructed your children. You've commanded your children. You've been an example to your children. Also today, I I applaud men that are fathers to children that aren't their biological children. I believe God applauds you. I applaud today grandparents that are raising their grandchildren. Thank you. And I also applaud another uh, uh, area today that we probably overlook many times. But I applaud single mothers that are having to fulfill that role. And I believe God, uh, He applauds it too. Turn over to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I want to give you a little bit insight on some generational stuff. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Just keep moving there to your right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy 30. As you're turning there, many times we hear this phrase, I'm just going to love my children to death. Well, let's quit loving them to death, and let's start loving our children to life. Let's put some things of the kingdom and God in them today and let's train them up and command them because there is great blessings when I obey what Father God tells us. Now, God created all of us. He created man, woman. He created the Father. So when I hook up to what Father God tells me to do, even as a father and command my household and my children, God's going to bless it. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Now, you'll notice here in this passage, in the next few verses, several different times he mentions the word today. God is a God of now. God doesn't want us to put it off till next week. God is a God of today. And so right here, God has set a table for each one of us. Now, at that table on this side is life and good And on this side is bad and evil. And he's telling us, you get to choose. Now, God won't force any of us to go one way or the other. God will allow you to choose what you want to choose. But right here, these are the only two choices that you see. Verse 16. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God. Now, this is big for us here, even on Father's Day. I think this is the first thing that he wants to put in each other. We're to love God more than anything else. And, and what is the, some of the ways that we love God? Well, he goes on to say this. To walk in his ways, to walk in God's ways, not man's ways, but to walk in God's ways. And to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. Now, when I obey this, when I love God, when I obey His commandments and I walk in His ways, look at the reward for doing this at the end of verse number 16. That you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Now, each one of us, guys, we can we can pray, we can talk about, man, I want God to bless me. If I ask us in the room today, how many of you wanted God to bless us, it would be unanimous, I would hope. But if you'll look right here, there's a condition placed on that. And he tells us what the condition is, but also in verses 17 and 18, he tells us there's there's some things that happen when I don't obey. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, 
and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and possess. So he's telling us, this is a result of my choices. Now what you're going to see in verse 19 and 20, that my choices that I make and the choices you make impact a lot more than just me. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses when? Today. Against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So once again, he lays it out. Life or death, blessing or cursing. Now if we're not smart enough to heed that, God, he, he cheats a little bit on this test. And you know what he does? He tells us the answer. Look what he says next. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now this is what I was talking about. That my choices and your choices, they impact a lot more than just me and you. What I do on a daily basis not only affects me, but it says my descendants. So because my choices, I'm going to release something on my descendants. Life or death, blessing or cursing. Okay? Now he makes it very clear here in the Scriptures. Read with me in verse number 20. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life. And the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. I want to highlight the end of verse 20. He's talking about a covenant God. And if you'll note there, he didn't just say just to Abraham. He said to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and we could continue to go. To Joseph, to Ephraim, and Manasseh. And so God is a generational God. And even in the drama, guys, things are are passed down to us generationally. Over and over and over and over again. But today, I want to put this in our hearts. Maybe there wasn't a generational blessing that started to, to, to you or for you. It wasn't handed down to you. Guess what today? You can become a generational history maker. Now, I want to show you a, a little thing up here on the overscreen today to give you a little bit of an insight on what's going on. The power of a generational curse. Now, I want you to see how this works. This is what we would call a curse family. This man named Max Jukes, he was an atheist. His wife was a godless woman. Now, when you go back and look at Max Jukes' life, he had 560 descendants. Let's just look at the the, uh, fruit of their life. Out of them, 310 died paupers. 150 of them were criminals. A hundred were alcoholics, seven murders. Listen to this one. More than half the women were prostitutes. The descendants of Max Jews cost the U.S. government more than one and a quarter million dollars. Now, this was a result of this man's choices. But because he chose this, it pushed something or released something in all these other family members. I want you to see now... 
the side of the generational blessing, the difference. This is a, a, a house under Jonathan Edwards. He was a Christian. He was a believer. His wife was a believer. Almost 1,400 descendants. Now look at the fruit of this. Just look at some of those. 13 college presidents. 100 well-known missionaries. One vice president of the United States. Not one descendant was a liability to the government. So you begin to look at these guys, you see something happens to us generationally. I don't know what your generation looks like, but I do believe this. It takes just one to say, you know what? I don't like some of the things that are happening in our lives. I don't like some of the, the, the things that have taken place. Now, in saying that, in looking at all this, guys, what happened with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It wasn't coincidental. It wasn't accidental. It was because Abraham chose to serve God. And because Abraham chose to serve God, the very things that were within him was released onto Isaac. And Isaac chose to serve God. Now with every generation, guys, it becomes a choice. And because Isaac chose to serve God, it released a blessing upon Jacob. Now let me ask you this in your own life. How many of you in your family or you know of other families where you've seen generational blessings go to work? You've seen them in action. I've seen it, guys. I look at family, generation after generation, that serves God. Men and women of faith, men and women of integrity. And you know what I find out? That was a choice. Someone said, we're going to serve God. Now I can say this, guys, even about my own family. There were generations where there was no God involved. But I had a father who said, you know what? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live with some integrity. And so because of my father's choices, things were passed down to me. Now, every year at the Men of Iron, guys, right now I'll have four generations of, of family at the Men of God. My father, my brother, nephew, uh, sons-in-laws. i got grandkids that serve God, guys. I don't look at that coincidental. It happens when people say, you know what, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to command my family after the things of God. Now, how many of you have witnessed in your own life or other people's life, a generational curse. Probably every one of us. Where we see problems that keep happening over and over and over. You know, I can tell you in my own life, one of the generational curses that was very, very strong in my family bloodline was that of alcohol. Actually, I learned some things just a couple weeks ago about my grandfather who died at the age of 54. Because his liver quit because of it. And I looked in my own life, guys. I was on that same line. I tell you, I remember people look at me and they'd say, not only do you look like your grandfather, you act like him. At the time, I didn't know what they were talking about, but it was because of alcohol. Well, guess what? I could have stayed in that flow and said, you know what? Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Or I can look and say, you know what? It just takes one to break that junk. One to rise up. And you know what I mean to rise up? To say, you know what? I'm going to start doing the things of God. 
Now, turn over just a couple pages to the book of Joshua. Just two or three pages, four or five. Joshua chapter five is where we're going. Joshua's chapter five. Woo, great day, daddies. I want to encourage you. God's going to put some things in you today, and some of you are going to start running again. Joshua uh, chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse 1. Now, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit what's going on here. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, they heard the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, and their heart melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because the children of Israel. So what's going on here is the Amorites and the Canaanites, guys, they were freaked out because the Jordan River dries up. The Israelites walk into the promised land. This is where they've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And so now we've arrived to the land of milk and honey finally. So as they're going across... They think, we're here, but God said, listen, fellas, i got one last instruction for you. Verse 2. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Now, I want to highlight this just a little bit, okay? When he talked about circumcise, this was the covenant that God put on Abraham in Genesis 17. When God spoke that to to Abraham, you know what he said? I want to mark you. I want to mark the, the Jews as covenant with me. And so when God did this, this was an outward act, but it marked them as his own. Now, the outward act of circumcision, guys, was meaningless without the severing of their fleshly acts and deeds. So when we talk about circumcision in a spiritual way, uh, uh, the Lord was saying to Joshua, He said, listen, we've got to get rid of some of those, those hidden sins, those areas of their life that no one knows about. Now in saying that, every one of us in this room that have been born again, you've been circumcised. I have. I'm not going to have you to, cl- to turn there. Mark this down. I'm going to read real quick. This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, In Him, talking about Jesus, In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So when you look at this right here, guys, what the Lord was telling Joshua and the Israelites He said, before you go in, I want to re-sanctify you. And if you'll note there, it said the second time. The first time was in Genesis 17. The second time here, there was a lot of men that had been wandering around out in the desert for 40 years. They'd never been circumcised. So the application of this is, God was saying, I want to do some new things in your life. I want to do some new things in your marriage. I want to do some new things with your kids. In other words, God was saying, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. And you know what? He was telling them, I just don't want you to show up and go through the motions. And I believe that's the same for us today. God's wanting to re-sanctify us. He's wanting to do some things. And men, He doesn't want you being a CEO Christian. You know what a CEO Christian is? 
Christmas and Easter only. See, that's a lot of men. We want to come in and we want to play church, but we want to take a secondary role spiritually in our own houses. God is looking for men right now that He can say, okay, I want to take you and your family, your homes, back to the promised land, but there's got to be some sanctifying. Look in Ezekiel chapter number 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. Where is Ezekiel at? Well, go to Jeremiah, right after Jeremiah's Lamentations. If you go to Daniel, you've gone too far. Ezekiel chapter 9. See, God is wanting to leave a legacy of blessings upon each one of us. But it's going to take some re-sanctifying. You know, uh, years ago we had a lady in the church. And she began to share with me some of the fondest memories she had of her own father. And she said, I remember as a girl in elementary, in junior high, and even high school. And she said, I would wake up in the mornings... And I would start heading for the kitchen to get something to eat. And she said, I would always walk through the living room. And she said, my father would be in there every morning on his knees, praying. And he was praying for us. And when she told me that, I said, that's a generational history maker right there. That is a man who said, you know what, I'm going to serve God, but also I'm going to release the kingdom on my children. I believe these are some of the things that God is looking for right now. God's not a God who's looking for muscles. God could care less about how strong you are. God's not looking for high IQs. God's just looking for loyal hearts that will serve Him but also to command their children in their homes after the things of God. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge of the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the church where it had begun, where it had been, to the threshold of the temple, and he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, And put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over the abominations that are done within it. So God was on a search. He was on a lookout for men who would sigh, who would cry, but even groan because of the abominations, because of the outrageous obscenities that were being done within their city And if it was being done within their city, it was being done with their homes. And so this tells me something right here, what God was looking for. Men that would begin to cry out to Him. They didn't like what was going on. And if you'll note there, He said, the men that will do this, I want you to put a mark on their foreheads. That mark represented God's protection, but also that they were the righteous. Now that same mark, guys, that this took place with here, you can find it in Revelation 7, 
Revelations 9 and Revelations 14. In the Hebrew alphabet, it would be a cross or an X. So they were marked right here. That mark represented, those are my kids. Those are my boys. Those are my men. And just like He marked them with circumcision, He marked them this way. Verse 5. To the others He said in my hearing, Go after Him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary, so they begin with the elders who were before the temple. Now, the application of this, God was saying, if I can find men, if I can find daddies who will cry out for their wives and their children, I'll save their families from the devourer. I'll save them from that. You know, right now in our society, we're seeing the devourer, which is the devil, attack families unlike any other time. Marriages, our children. And the reason he goes after the family, the marriages, and the children is those are some of the greatest institutions that God Himself ordained. But God Himself was saying right here, He said, if I can find men that will cry out to me and learn to pray and learn to speak the things over their families in Jesus' name and to speak the identity of God over their children and to speak the anointing of God in Jesus' name over them, then I'll spare them. And once again, note here, he was looking for those ones that were marked. Let me ask you something today. Are you marked? Have you taken the mark and say, my identity's in Jesus. I'm the Son of God. And you can go back here and look, where did it begin with? It began with the men, once again. It's the men he's looking for. That will begin to stand up and rise up. And God applauds godly fathers who will say, you know what? I'm going to lead my family unlike any other time in my life. And maybe you've done great doing that. Let's go to new levels. And maybe you haven't. I believe it's time we start serving God and saying, okay, Father God, I want you to mark me today. I'm going to end with this verse, and you can turn there with me if you want, but you don't have to. This is Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And I'm going to begin in verse number 14. And Joshua said this, Now therefore, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And you know what I think he's telling us here today? Get rid of the junk that keeps you from serving God wholeheartedly. And you know what? Only you know that. That is the secret and the hidden things in your life. And I believe today, as we cry out to God and say, Lord, I ask you to circumcise my heart from that stuff. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you, serve the Lord. 
Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And when Joshua said this, guys, I want you to note here today, he didn't look at all those other men and say, listen, fellas, as for me and my house, my wife said we're going to go to church. As for me and my house, my wife said we're going to pray tonight. As for me and my house, my wife said we're going to obey the things of God. No. He said, listen, I don't know what the rest of her you're going to do, but I'm going to tell you right now. As for me and my house, I'm going to set the tone. And maybe today you've been held in bondage because of, of, of family shame. Family pain. I believe God wants to sever that stuff and say, listen, I'm looking for godly men who will rise up, who will begin to stand in the gap and begin to cry out. And today, guys, I'm not here to whack you. I'm not here to tell you you're sorry, dads. That's what the world has done to us. I'm here to say, let's re-sanctify ourselves and let's go to higher levels and say, you know what? I'm going to be that man that hands down a generational blessing. If you're a father and you're here today, I want you to stand on your feet. I don't care what age you are. If you're a father, I want you to just to stand up today. And I believe this with all my heart. God applauds you. God applauds you. You know, I know this in my own life. I didn't have a clue about fatherhood like many of you. I thought, I sure wish there was an owner's manual that came with them little rascals. I found out there is. And it's this right here. And he said, command your children after this. And dads, God's not calling any of us to be perfect. None of us are perfect. But you know where you're at today. And as I look around the room, I see all the different seasons of fatherhood. Maybe you're way past fatherhood. You're a great, great, great grandfather. You're still needed. And maybe you're a grandfather. You're still needed. And I want to encourage some of you young fathers. Maybe you didn't have a godly influence. Maybe a generational blessing wasn't handed down to you. But guess what? You can become a Joshua today. And you begin to rise up. And you set the tone in your home. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I want all of us to bow our head right now. And all you that are seated, I ask you to stretch your hand out toward all these men. Father God, we stand before you right now. Lord, I thank you. That not only did you create us as men, but you created us as fathers, grandfathers. And you created us to be generational. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And Lord, I pray right now for every one of us in here that you revive these seeds that were planted in us. Resanctify us, Father God. And if there's areas in our life, Lord, that need to be cut away, Lord, circumcise our hearts. 
that we run again, and that we lead our families in a generation that is very ungodly right now. And Lord, I pray an anointing right here that we become godly in an ungodly world. In my own life, guys, I know God's not done. And so I stretch my hands up today, and you may want to raise your hands to God and say, Okay, Father God, sanctify us. Sanctify us because I know you want us to leave a legacy of blessings. That you want us to release the kingdom in our children. And oh, Holy Spirit, come on the inside of us and strengthen us today to be men after your own heart. That Father God will run with the calling unlike any other time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I applaud you, men. God bless you. God bless you. You can be seated. Listen, my goal is not to, to create condemnation, guys. I know what it is to be a father at times to feel overwhelmed. And to look and say, am I doing anything good? Until you, you're doing good. But your role is just not as provider. And it's just not as protector. I go back to Genesis 18 where he said, Command your home after you. You become the poster child. And if you don't like the way the poster looks, start choosing some different ways. And God will help you. God will help you. Amen? Happy Father's Day. I said in the first service, and I'll be careful how I word this, I said, now fathers, don't do nothing the rest of today. Make them wait on No, I'm just kidding you. Enjoy the day, I promise you. Enjoy it. Well, we're going to have some giveaways here in a little bit. Um, if you need a seed envelope, why don't you raise your hand, and we'll take care of that first. Just raise your hand up real high. If you need a seed envelope, we want to give you an opportunity to give. I'm going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, thank you for being givers. You get a hold of the kingdom of God and just honor Him. You know, a lot of times when you study the scriptures on the area given, you'll hear the comes to tithing and honoring God. We, we don't live under the old.